All right, church. Man, what awesome, awesome worship time we've had this morning. I, I am encouraged. Are you encouraged this morning just to be with the Lord and, and worship Him in spirit and in truth and fullness? Wow, it's great. Great to be with you this morning. We are, we are coming back into the book of Philippians. Here we're wrapping up chapter 1 in, uh, in our sermon series through Philippians. And, and we get to come across one of the, probably one of the most famous verses throughout the Bible that, that everyone kind of knows or um, would just maybe have etched on one of your pillows at home. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. We get to go through that this morning. And I'm so excited for us to do that. Uh, this morning, uh, throughout the week, I've kind of gone through the scripture and, and the Lord has really just spoken to me on, on breaking up this passage into three different sections. Uh, so if you're taking notes, you can you know, write this down, but I encourage you to get your Bibles out, turn to Philippians 1. Um, but we're, we're breaking down this, this passage into three different parts. We have living and dying, which is verses 20 through 23. We have the self-sacrificing servant, which is verses 24 through 26. And then we get to the privilege of suffering, verses 27 through 30. We're going to really dive deep into that topic. But before we dive in, let, let's go ahead, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer um, as, we, as we seek his word this morning and gain more understanding. Oh, Lord Jesus, I, we just come before you now as your church. Your church that's on fire for you, Lord. We, we come with open hearts and open ears, and Lord, we just want more of you in our lives. Lord, help us this morning to understand your word, the teaching of it. Lord, use me as just a mouthpiece for scripture. Lord, unveil mysteries to us that may have been blinded to us before. And ultimately, Lord, keep us focused on what is really important in life, and that is spreading the good news that you are Lord. And that in you, we find our refuge and strength. Because it was you who did the good work. It was your work on the cross that redeemed sinful man. You shed your blood in our place. And Lord, it is wonderful to be counted redeemed. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Lord, be with us now as we... Study your word, the living word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dive in and read, I just want to remind us of where we are in the book of Philippians. We are, well, Paul is writing, obviously, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing from prison. We know this from the book of Acts, that he has been in prison. He is chained to a Roman guard. So just imagine me with a handcuff, Roman guard over here, he's chained. They're, in, they're inseparable, right? And he's not letting that discourage him. He's using that to advance the gospel. Earlier in the book of Philippians, we read that he is witnessing and spreading the gospel to the entire centurion guard. I bet those guys just loved it, didn't they? <laughs> Sitting next to Paul, okay, Paul. <laughs> No, they are catching on fire for the Lord because of what Paul is sharing. The truth that Paul is sharing. And how beautiful that is. I want to kind of be chained to Paul in that moment. 
But Paul is awaiting trial. Before Caesar, you see, some false accusers have come and said, oh, Paul, you, you're this, you're bad. And Paul's like, no, no, no. And they try to kill him. He's, no, no, I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal before Caesar. So he's in this waiting place right now, imprisoned. We don't, I, don't, I don't think any, anyone would think that Paul is like mistreated right now in prison. We don't get that really clue because as a Roman citizen, he's being protected until trial. But he's going before Caesar, who has the power to say, off with his head? Or, your pardon, get, just stop being a nuisance, probably. So this is where Paul is, mentally, emotionally, physically, as he's writing the book of Philippians. He's staring down this, this trial, knowing the circumstances. We, we pick up here in verse 20. My confident hope is that I will in no way be ashamed, but that with complete boldness, even now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or die. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean productive work for me. Yet I don't know which I prefer. I feel torn between the two because I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Here we're talking about living and dying. And for Paul, this is living is Christ, is, is to share the gospel. Every fiber of Paul's being is wired to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what his focus is. That's his mission. No task in this is meaningless as long as it is for the gospel. Paul says, if I remain, this is productive work for me. Some of your translations may have, this is fruitful labor for me. That's a beautiful tie-in to our church's mission statement or vision statement. Purpose statement. We have too many statements. <laughs> Our purpose statement. <laughs> we want to have spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. That word, fruitful labor. Meaning, if I am here, if living is Christ, is what I'm doing fruitful for the kingdom? We kind of have to ask this question, though. Like, Paul, why? What's the point? Why are you on fire right now? Why? You see, that I think the reason is, is just like all of us, Paul had a conversion experience. He had an encounter with the Lord. Now, I don't think any of us really have seen the Lord Jesus in all his glory and been blinded for three days. Because our human eyes, they, they can't comprehend that. But Paul, we remember in Acts 9, on the Damascus road, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And we remember who Paul used to be. Paul used to have a mission of going around and seeking out Christians to persecute them. But now, ever since he's been converted, his mission is to go and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. His mission was to go and imprison 
Christians who believed. But now his, his mission is to set them free. Help them understand that the chains of sin do not have any power over them. His mission was to kill Christians. But now it's to save souls with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul doesn't want anyone to miss their purpose in life. Paul does not want anyone to miss out on the the true freedom that Christ gives us. And he doesn't want anyone to miss out and experience what awaits for us in heaven, which is unity with Christ. That's why dying is gain. Because we will be united with Christ instantly. The last time our heart beats is the first time we get to be with the Lord Jesus forever. And it is such a blessed assurance, a wonderful hope that we have as believers in the Lord Jesus. There is no purgatory. There is no soul sleep. Those are sermons for another day. We are united with Christ instantly. The thief on the cross had this promise. Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. How awesome is that? I don't know about you. Sometimes I just think, Lord Jesus, come right now, please. (laughs) Spare me the pain. But we'll get to that in a little bit, a little later. But since dying is gain and we were united, we are going to be united with Christ instantly. That also means that God is faithful and that the redemptive plan for mankind has been fulfilled. Ultimately, we see this, that that God has breathed forth life into his creation. And from that, mankind ultimately has rebelled against God. Thousands and thousands of years this has gone on. And finally, God says, mankind cannot do it. I will do it. I'll wrap myself in flesh. Take a common name, the name of Jesus. I will live among you and I will die for you. Making a way to the Father. So that we can be united with Christ forever and ever at his second coming and get to experience his eternal glory. Are you fired up, church? This is the Lord we're talking about. And we get to worship him. Not only this, but the Lord has promised that in doing so, we, are, we have this deliverance from evil. We pray this in the Lord's Prayer. We say, deliver us from evil and not into temptation. We kind of like drudge through this prayer, don't we? I used to, I used to uh, play a lot of softball, and before every game, we'd line up on the lines. We'd line up as men and say, our Father. Who are. And it's just like, come on, guys, we're praying to the Lord here. We say, deliver us from evil. And we have this promise that at the very end of the age, we will be delivered from evil. That sin and death have no stranglehold over us. And Paul sees this. The last letter we ever have written from Paul, probably 2 Timothy here, he's writing to his son in the faith. And he writes here, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure 
this close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Listen to how he ends this letter. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We will have safe transport instantly the minute our heart stops. We will be united with Christ. Dying is gain. But we're here. Which means we are called to live for the sake of the gospel. And Paul knows this. He, in this deliverance, or writing to the Philippians, he is saying, I'm going to put all this aside for your sake. Let's continue on in the scripture, starting in verse 24. But it is more vital for your sake that I remain in the body. And since I am sure of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for the sake of your progress and joy in the faith. So that what you can be proud of may increase because of me in Christ Jesus when I come back to you. This is Paul as the self-sacrificing servant. Paul saying, dying is gain. I don't know which I prefer. I'm torn between the two. Because living means I have productive work, fruitful labor. But dying means I get to be with Christ instantly. But for your sake, I know I'm going to remain. You see, Paul is completely resolved that his trial with Caesar will go in such a way that he will remain in the flesh. Why? What's the point? What's the outcome? He says, for your sake and progress and your faith. Paul is a self-sacrificing servant. And it's, it's beautiful to read this example that Paul is. Even so, Paul is just emulating and modeling what Christ was and is as the self-sacrificing servant. Scripture points us to that from Isaiah 53. We read this prophecy, this beautiful prophecy in Isaiah 53 of eventually the Lord Jesus fulfilling it. And next week when we get to Philippians 2, we'll see the same thing when Pastor John preaches on that passage, the self-sacrificing servant and what he went through. But don't read ahead just yet. Stay with me here. After this, you can read ahead. Christ is the ultimate self-sacrificing servant, giving up his life in exchange for all of us to have fellowship with him. The, the pain of the cross was very real. And we forget that. Sometimes we, we, go, we go through life just maybe just thinking, oh, it's so wonderful to be a believer that Jesus died for me. And it's hard to just skip over that part without really sinking in, man, the Lord died 
for me. He shed his blood on the cross, took numerous beatings, was called names, shamefully, publicly humiliated. I'm just going to be honest, church. I don't know if I'm strong enough to take that ever. The suffering he endured on his way to the cross and then on the cross. And ultimately the suffering he had just being separated from the Father. Speaks volumes to the height and depth of the love of the Lord Jesus has for us as mankind. That he would do that. And Paul says this same privilege, this same privilege of suffering is ours. What? That's backwards. Christians aren't meant to suffer, right? I get baptized, everything's great. Let's continue reading. Paul says, starting in verse 27 now, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or whether I remain absent, I should hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, by contending side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not by being intimidated in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of their destruction, but of your salvation, a sign which is from God. For it has been granted to you not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for him. Since you are encountering the same conflict that you saw me face and now hear that I am facing. Church, this is written. When we read this, we kind of read it as, oh, how does this apply to my life? This is written to the entire church in the city of Philippi. Faith community, this is a call for us as well as a church to live together. I'm not saying everybody move in. But we are to do life together. We are to share our burdens with one another. We are called to suffer together. I'm reminded of, of this verse right here. He says, standing firm in the spirit with one mind. We are united together with one purpose, which is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to do life together. In Romans, Paul's right. He says, we are to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are. Thank you. Thank you for including that with me. We are meant to live and do life together and to not be isolated from one another. It's a beautiful thing to be in community with believers. We are meant to to go through and bear one another's trials. The empathy that we have for one another is intentional. We cannot be hard-hearted. Oh, I'm sorry, you're going through that. No, can't, can't have that. In this passage... Paul includes six commands here for the church. He says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. 
I'm being honest with you, if I examine my actions, sometimes some question marks come up on whether or not they're worthy for the gospel. Is, am I watching this movie? Is that worthy of the gospel of Christ? Maybe not. I see Mel Gibson on Braveheart running around. Probably shouldn't watch. I, I, should, I should be focused on the gospel of Christ. Easily distracted. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Stand firm in the spirit. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within inside of us. Each and every one of us that have called on his name. The name that saves. We are to stand firm in the spirit. We are to contend side by side for the sake of the gospel. And church, we are not to be intimidated when enemies come at us. Why do you believe that? I believe it because it's real. Paul says this is a sign of their destruction, but of your what? Salvation. A sign that is only from God. When hard things come your way from people, when you're persecuted, do not be intimidated. This is a sign, an assurance for you. An opportunity to stand firm in the faith. We're commanded and called to believe in the Lord Jesus and his redeeming work on the cross. Here's this last one. This last one's hard. We're called to suffer. And this is hard. We have different kind of context of suffering, right? I think a lot of us in this room are like, oh, I'm suffering. My cell phone's at 2% and I don't have a charger. Or, oh, I'm suffering because I went to the barber and he gave me the wrong haircut. I told him to take it down an inch and a half, not all the way. <laughs> These are first world problems, though. This is not persecution. This is not suffering. Hair grows back. Phones get charged. But why do we suffer? What kind of suffering is it for a Christian to go through when we go to the doctor and for the third time in our life, the doctor tells us we have cancer. Or when a parent loses a child. Or when a husband has to come home and tell his wife and kids, I don't have a job anymore. What kind of suffering is that? Why is it there? Why? These are the questions we ask ourselves. Why, God? Why have you allowed this in my life? What is this meant to do? We find the answer in Scripture. Read with me here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says, Now we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted 
in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal body. And skipping a, a verse or two, he says, For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. He writes all this as a preamble to this part about suffering. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. Lord, why would you let this horrible thing happen to my life? It is producing in you, Stephen, an eternal weight of glory. Strengthen your faith, my child, is what he's saying to me and what he's saying to you. On the spectrum of time, from creation to eternal glory and hallelujahs forever and ever, we are in this momentary light affliction. And that's just what it is. It's momentary. It'll pass. It'll go away one day. The minute this heart stops beating, I'm united with Christ instantly, forever. Where there is no pain, no suffering, no more tears. Maybe tears of joy, of love, and of peace. But no more tears of sorrow. This is suffering for us because we know that Jesus bore suffering. He went through it. But we are called to suffer as Christians. It's as a believer. This is not the prosperity gospel. You don't believe in Jesus and get rich and life is good. You believe in Jesus and life gets hard. And that's the truth. But we know that this will produce an eternal weight of glory for us. That's why dying is gain. But we're still here. And for us... Living is Christ. Our mission, our purpose is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, bearing our sin, dying for us, and raised from the dead. And one day, we'll be raised up with him too in the air. As his church, as his bride. And church, I'm reminded of this. This verse is just really stuck out to me. It calls us as the church to stand firm in the spirit 
with one mind by contending side by side for the faith of the gospel. I'd like to conclude doing that this morning. I'm going to ask each and every one of you to stand up, to link arms across the aisles. That's right. We're going, to stand, <laughs> we're going to stand up, link arms across the aisles, and we're going to read scripture together that calls us to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. All right, guys, listen, this is, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing to the a church in Corinthians a second time. This is Paul and Timothy writing right here as servants of God. But we have the same command because we know that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to us across time, 2,000 years later, giving us the same command. Let's read this together. Rather, servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, in and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good, genuine, yet regarded as impostors, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrow, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Church, we possess everything because we have the gospel of Christ, the good news that Jesus is Lord. We have the opportunity to make everyone not make, but to allow everyone to have rejoicing and no more sorrow in their lives. To make many rich. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about possessing everything that is the Lord. Church, we are called for the sake of the gospel to stand side by side and contend for our faith. Go and be blessed today as we do that. Amen.